This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Shooter ready. Stand by. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio. We are your Second Amendment community. Interviews, product reviews, politics, trivia. Gun Owners Radio has it all and more. Check us out at gunownersradio.com and tune in every week to hear Dave Stahl, Michael Schwartz, and all our guests talk about everything Second Amendment. Here we go. Folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, you're good. All right. Hey, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio. Boy, is this a crazy country we live in. This ought to be a fun show. All right. Hey, did you know Americans stop or prevent a violent crime one to three million times per year with a gun. That's right, with an M. Uh, Studies from the Florida State, the CDC, and the Crime Prevention Research Center show that guns are used to protect life 25 times more often than when they are used to take a life. That's 25 times. And trust me, that estimate is low. And if you believe that good people deserve the best tools to defend themselves and their families, then you should be a member of San Diego County Gun Owners. San Diego County Gun Owners makes it easy to connect with the community that's fighting to defend and restore your Second Amendment right. Become a member today. It's only $10 a month. Go to sdcgo.org. That's S-D-C-D-O-J-O-C-S-C-D. Easy for you to say. Slash join. God, I have SDCGO.org slash join. That's San Diego County Gun Owners. You know, it's your first day. You know what? We're just going to edit that out in post, so no one will hear it. Okay. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, so we got a lot going on. We have John Russo in the studio. How are you doing, John? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Good, good, good. We're going to talk to John uh, in the next couple of segments, and uh, look forward to that. And, of course, uh, in at the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to have Matthias Qualenberg in, a uh, really great guy. Um, we'll talk more about him, both instructors, extraordinaire. Uh, we're going to go into the Imperial Beach Moratorium on retail gun sales, which We'll talk all about. Um, I, I couldn't believe the UT actually covered that. Um, they, it got picked up, but we're, we'll talk about how it's maybe not as bad as people think, but it's not as good as the anti-gunners hope. So so uh, it should be pretty interesting. Don't forget, Gun Prom tickets are on sale right now. Go to gunprom.com. That's the best banquet in town. Uh, the, the, the most... Fun Second Amendment uh, happening all year, and it's September 16th. Uh, individual tickets or early bird special are on sale right now for 99 bucks. We had our monthly meetings last week in San Diego. They went, all went really, really well. Joe Dramisi, our friend and uh, uh, cohort, he was there uh, uh, talking about uh, pepper spray. Were you, did you see that, Alicia? Did you go to the monthly meetings? I did, was not able to make it that one. You no. make it, so he no. uh, all all accounts were he did an amazing job. He's such a good teacher. He's so knowledgeable. Um, he's did such a great job. And uh, you know there was a big push this year for uh, more guest speakers at the monthly meetings, and I think it's going really really well. I think people are are doing a really great job. Big positive shout out to 
Elliot and Jeff, Jeff Malik, and uh, uh, a bunch of a bunch of the crew who said, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna take over and change the meetings a little bit and make them even better." So I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Alicia, how are you? Fantastic. Yeah. What'd you do today? I spent all day on the range. That's what you said. Yeah. What were you doing on the range? Just private lessons. Oh wow! A little bit of everything. Probably yeah. shooting. Probably shooting. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> Look at you and your watch. What are you wearing? That's not your normal watch. Are you showing off? It's a Danny Sullivan. So you oh, can take a picture. Limited edition. Danny Sullivan. Was he the guy on the he Partridge spun, family? He spun in the Indy 500 and won. Oh, wow. He spun out going down the straightaway. And still won? Yeah. Is this new? I've had it. I wore it just so I could hopefully get on the Instagram page. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Since All right. nobody ever cares about my watches. <laughs> we can do that. I dusted it off. I'm doing I'm doing the Citizen today. Yeah. You know, this isn't even my nicest watch, the Citizen. It's not my nicest watch. I love it. I wear it all the time. Yeah. I, I don't think Citizen gets enough credit for uh, it's you know, their Have you ever diver. used a Velcro band? When I was like eight. I like Velcro bands. <laughs> Velcro bands. <laughs> because it just, you put it up. Hey, when I buy it, not this one, but when I used to, I don't do it anymore because yeah. of you. But when I used to go to Walmart and get my watches, yeah. I would sweet talk the girl into taking the Velcro band and putting it on because I couldn't get the little thingies. <laughs> Do you have Velcro in your shoes too, Dave? No, I have. Drawn the line. Oh no, I <laughs> forgot what I wear. That's even worse <laughs> because it slogs. <laughs> oh jeez. Hey, when you get my age, it's kind of hard to get to the floor. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think you guys are going to be interested in this uh, this story about the Imperial Beach um, uh, moratorium. I think that. Which one's uh, that? The moratorium on gun stores. Did you see it in the paper? Yeah. We're gonna we'll we'll talk about it at the Union Tribune. We'll read the article, and then I'll uh, talk a little bit about. How, you're not gonna believe this, but the uh, media sensationalized the whole thing. What? I know that sounds crazy. I'm totally <laughs> shocked that that would be the case. You'd think they'd be reliable, and I'm not sure why. Um, I'm not sure. I know that sounds funny. Like, yes, what do you, you mean you're do. not sure why? Well, I'm not sure if the Union Tribune is just trying to get more eyeballs and clicks, or if they're trying to influence. You know, anti-gun regulations. I can't really tell. I think it was this one felt like they were trying to sensationalize it for uh, for clicks. And then what happened? So this happened on Wednesday. I don't want to steal all my thunder here, but this happened on Wednesday it's night. Thunder, and uh, uh, and then nothing happened Thursday. And then the Union Tribune came out with this article. And then like nine, you know, Friday morning, like nine fifteen, my phone starts ringing. You know, Friday morning. And NBC and all these other places wanted to cover it because, you know, it was, it was, it was in the Union Tribune. They never would have covered it otherwise. But the Union Tribune made it sound like it was a whole big thing. So, I don't know. John, do you know what I'm talking about at all? Did you hear about this? I did not, no. You don't read the Union Tribune? <laughs> well, I live in Marietta and work up north, so I don't yeah, get down there too much. Yeah, well. There's, you know, and they don't have fish in Marietta. You don't, yeah, you don't clean fish? And <laughs> that's the only reason the UT is any good for is the fish. Uh, or if you have a parakeet, come on. In all fairness, uh, I wouldn't do that to you a gotta line. you got to line the bottom of the cage. Nah, my bird reads. <laughs> Your bird reads? Yeah, so I couldn't do that to him. <laughs> what about you, Alicia? Did you know about it? I you, no, I was not aware. What? But I'm not surprised. All right, everybody, you, you attention, attention, attention. <laughs> yeah, I guess Alicia <laughs> Curtin doesn't know. I got to tell you, I think I'm. Uh, I'm probably just assuming everybody knows about it. No, I don't know about, about it at all. Did KUSI cover it? Um, uh, no. no, they didn't no. call you. They did. We talked about it. So honestly, I'm. I'm not gonna. You know what? Because. Uh, I don't want to steal my thunder. We're doing a whole segment at 445 on it. So we'll talk about it at 445. It's extremely interesting. I'll just say this, that uh, Imperial Beach, the nice little beach town with the 
Uh, it's still one of the, you know, it's it's a big Navy community. Best kept secret ever. They've done yeah. so much for mm-hmm. that town. Well, they just put a moratorium. In other words, they stopped all uh, your, uh, the ability for a gun store to exist in Imperial Beach, mm-hmm. which sounds like, you know, oh, my gosh, oh, geez. Well, let me let me tell you the whole yeah. story. You tell it when, at the I, 445. I think we're all going to be okay, but uh, it was pretty interesting. All right, then let's talk about your Jeep. Let's <laughs> talk about my Jeep still. <laughs> Is shop. it running? I know no, this is not out there. It's not out there. Shop. Still in the shop, but I was up in uh, Orange County. I'm still up in Orange County. That's because you're driving a Beamer. Oh, you live up there now? No, no, no. I just came down for the show today. I'm I'm up there until this week. No, 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 no. I'm just up there for Orange County gun owners. You know, we have Orange County gun owners. We have Inland Empire. So I, I got to go up that. there. I got to go up there once a month, and uh, you know, Are you going back things, tonight? Make things roll. Yeah. Here, the here's show. the big question: Any good food up there? Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, what did I have? I don't think I had. Oh, I went to this sushi place right in Huntington Beach, like right on the beach yesterday. You really didn't. Do yeah, that. I took the afternoon <laughs> off and I went to the you beach. Ate sushi. Oh my god, it was delicious. No, it is. Not. It is too. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> I don't remember the name of it either. I it bet was, you don't remember uh, what you ate either. I think it was called Kai, like K A I, and it was super good. I ate like everything. Well, I know that. I, I asked the waitress, I was like, hey, what's your favorite thing? And she named like two things, and I had like that times, Nine of them. Times ten. It's like, oh, my God, this is so good. So, anyway. Yeah. All right. When we get back, we're going to introduce formally John all right. Russo and talk about uh, all kinds of interesting stuff. Yeah, and not sushi. Maybe. I don't know. No. John, John, are you a sushi guy? I no. like sushi. Hey. There you go. Oh. Do you like sushi, Alicia? Nope. But you know what that means. What's that mean? You don't have to worry about me shanking something off your plate. More for you. <laughs> you will That's never right. have to worry about that. I'll give you my plate. <laughs> That's why I never go to lunch with this guy. FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, if you own a gun in California, you should have an attorney that specializes in California gun laws on your speed dial. Because if you ever have legal matters that involve firearms, you need California's firearm lawyer, John Dillon, especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. Our trusted firearms attorney is John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws with his Number on your phone right now, 760-642-7150, 760-642-7150. Do it now. Okay, our first guest we just introduced in the uh, in the intro segment, but I'd like to reintroduce uh, Mr. John Russo. How are you, sir? I'm well. Thank you for having me. You bet. Thanks for coming. So tell everybody, tell us a little bit about you. What's your background? Well, I was a police officer for 29 years. I worked for Escondido PD. Mm-hmm. Had a great career there. Got to do a lot of neat things. I was uh, retired as a sergeant. I was a detective. Worked sex crimes and homicide. Was a sniper on the SWAT team. Oh, wow! But my passion has always been teaching firearms. Yeah, I've been teaching firearms for over twenty-seven years. I um, have my own private company. I teach CCW classes in San Diego, and I teach classes uh, around the country. That's nice. Now, what is it? The teaching or the firearms that you like better? I, I like the teaching. You know, I've been teaching uh, police, military, civilians, kids for uh, coming up on close to 30 years now. And um, I, I love it all. But uh, I got to say the CCW classes have been one of the highlights of my career. I really enjoy teaching citizens um, 
self-defense and seeing them get the right to protect themselves. I was now that we can get CCWs, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So what was it? Did you spend the whole? You said how many? Twenty nine years. Twenty nine years. Twenty nine years was entirely on Escondido PD. Yes, sir. That's amazing. I don't think that happens a whole lot. Not too much. Usually we get hurt and <laughs> don't make it the whole distance. I was going to say. So making it twenty nine years is an accomplishment. Yeah. Making it twenty nine years on on the same department, no matter the department, unless you're like. I don't know, like Mayberry or something, you know what I mean? But like any kind of most major departments, making it 29 years in the same department is really unusual. Yeah, it can be. What's yeah. uh, what, what got you into law enforcement? You know, it's funny. As, I, as a kid, I grew up in Julian. Mm-hmm. My dad had a ranch of uh, about 600 acres in the middle of 30,000 acres of private property and cattle ranch. We didn't have a phone. We didn't have electric power. All I knew was guns and hunting and fishing. And um, at an early age, I knew I wanted to be a police officer. Wow. So you just, just w- went through and... and uh... Yeah, I, I applied as a young a youngster. I was lucky and got hired uh, right after my 22nd birthday and uh, spent my whole career at Escondido. So when I got to Escondido, I already had a background in firearms, so it was just ca- kind of a natural career path. So no, what I, what I, no matter what I did at Escondido, whether I was working as a detective or a sniper on the SWAT team, it was a natural fit for me to be a firearms instructor and an armor and gun repairs, all that good stuff. Mm. Now, what so, did you like about Escondido's department? Escondido's just a, a great city, and it, it was a great department. I, I can't say enough good things about them. I had a blessed career. Plus, it's um, close to Julian. I was close to Julian. <laughs> uh, you know, funny thing, I didn't really know much about Escondido when I got hired there. Right. Um, I, my grandparents lived there, but they passed away um, in the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, yeah. So I hadn't been back to Escondido, you know, for almost uh, 15 plus years by the time I became a police officer there. My family was from the Santee El Cajon area. Mm. So in my mind, as I got hired at Escondido as a young cop, all I could think of was this town's full of one-way streets. How am I going to figure this out? <laughs> and it's really just about two one-way streets, but, but uh, it was And good. ask you, how many people, what do you, what's the, what's the pro, uh, population approximately of Escondido? Are you, are you aware? I just Yeah, it's, it's approximately 160,000. Mm-hmm. So 100, here's what kills me, 160,000 people. That's not a. I mean, we kind of think of it like, oh, it's this little town, whatever. That's a city, one hundred sixty thousand no, people. It's big. Yeah, you know, it's... we have eighteen city councils in San Diego County. Eighteen, um, but you know, kind of all the oxygen gets sucked out of the room by one. That's the you know the city of San Diego, mm-hmm. um, and I think it makes it more confusing because it's, you know the county and the city are both named San Diego. But if you, if you take Escondido and put it anywhere else in the country, it'd be a fairly major city. You know? yeah, you're, you're correct, uh, as well as the police department. You know, we often, in Southern California, we have so many police departments and so many large police departments, we kind of don't realize what happens around the rest of the country. But the average police department nationwide is under 30 officers. So when you have an, an agency like Escondido at 150 to 170 sworn, depending on the decade, mm-hmm. uh, it's a good size agency. It's a 37-square-mile city, so there's a lot going on. And, and there's a lot a, of people don't realize how many hispanic communities live in escondido sure yeah and it's due to all the agriculture and they that group up there i always joke though you have to have a passport to go from (laughs) san diego to escondido yeah escondido has to have a passport to go from escondido to san diego yeah escondido's a very good city very good population they're very pro-police they take care of their police department the mayor was just at kusi dane yeah dane white good yeah, with, with his brand wa- new mayor. Yeah, with his white rim sunglasses. Yeah, 
Yeah, he's a good dude. Got to get him some new glasses. Um, the so, but there's but a lot happens with 160,000 people. It does. A lot yeah. happens. A lot of like, like some pretty serious crime. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of you know what kind of coordination would you guys do with the sheriff's department and other departments? You know, we worked well with every department, but I have to give the sheriff's uh, special recognition. They were kind of our close ally. Uh, we we had a great relationship with them, regardless of the division. When I was on SWAT, we worked tight with their SWAT team. Uh, we were each other's first call when the other needed backup. Um, when I was a detective, we worked close. When we had big cases that spanned outside of our city limits into the county, we were tight with the, the detectives. What, what was the what, – what surprised us about Escondido? What would you say about the, the, the crime uh, in Escondido that maybe we'd be surprised to hear? I don't know if you'd be surprised to hear it or not, but Escondido is is a busy city. It has gangs, it has violence, it has drugs, it has homeless. So, um, you know, these things are like any other city at this time in our society where they're being uh, dealt with and in some cases amplified and magnified uh, today versus the way they were maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago. But throughout my career at Escondido, we had plenty of murders, plenty of homicides, plenty of rapes, plenty of um, sexual assaults, gang violence. Escondido had it all, uh, you know, and I'm not bragging about that, of course, but that is just something as a police officer there. I always said, and I did the hiring for Escondido for many years uh, towards the end of my career, but what I always said about Escondido was if you want to be a cop and if you want to actually work and help people, it's a great city to work in because you have Plenty of good people who need your help. You have a good, diverse population. You've got some good income and revenue, so the city's able to flourish and take care of their divisions, specifically the police department, mm-hmm. in my case. But at the same time, you got plenty of crime. Um, and that's why I say there are other cities that maybe don't get as much action, quote-unquote, and a young cop needs that. That's mm-hmm. what that's what you want to be a cop for. You want to help people. You want the action, and Escondido had it all. Well, you don't want to sit at a desk all day long. Well, you know, I drive up there every single week. And I don't notice much homelessness. No, well, uh, you know, Escondido has a lot of... Unless I'm going to the wrong parts of Escondido. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, pretty much anywhere in you go nowadays, there's pl- you can always find it. You don't have to sure. drive very yeah. far east, west, north, south. It's everywhere. But I don't seem to see that you guys or Escondido had that big of a problem. Well, it's, it's, you know, how, how big of a problem it is com, is relative. Yeah, so what well, are we comparing it to? Say San Diego. Right. You know, compared to downtown San Diego, Los Angeles, sure, it's, it's nothing compared to that. Right. But compared to the way it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's probably a, a, a lot worse now than right. it was then. But I will say we've got a, a great mayor, city council, chief of police. They all work hard. They do well uh, doing their best to try to deal with it. And homelessness is a huge problem. Right. It's a huge, uh, difficult problem to solve because there's so many different facets to it. Mm-hmm. It's not a simple problem to just say, oh, well, they're all druggies. Oh, well, they're all you know, bad people. Let's all build them houses or, and let them live in them and they'll right. be fine. That's and the flip side, you know, a lot of people like, oh, it's all mental illness. It's not. There's no one right answer. There's yeah. every facet um, to the homeless problem. Yeah. And you can't approach it with just one paintbrush. Well, look at that one lady that came on and says, I'm spoiled. Right. I got everything I need. Well, and that, you know, that... That's a problem. That was a big surprise for a lot of people. But I, for most working cops, that's nothing new. We've, right. kn- we've known that for decades. Yeah. You know, we... Well, how wait, many times... Tell people you, what you're talking about. What now? Well, they, it, uh, if you don't mind the shameless plug, KUSI interviewed this <laughs> lady, and she goes, 
I got it made. I get money. I get food. I get, you know, I got a tent. I got everything. She says, I am spoiled rotten. She's being provided for by the government. Exactly. But they're not fixing her problem. Right. And she, at this point, doesn't think she has a problem because she's got everything she needs. And, John, you're saying... Cops in Escondido are going. Yeah, we, we know. We know they're sure. they're being. You know, we've we've known that for for decades. Now, I'm I'm not talking about the mental health side. The mental no, health no, no, side no. is a whole different animal. Totally, those people truly need our help. But there is an element in the homeless society that simply doesn't want help because it's easy. It's easy when you're provided services. It's easy when you're provided food, shelter. Um, meals, whatever it is you need, yeah. and you don't have to do and the work. And you live in San Diego. And that's the other thing. Southern California makes it easy to Go be Go to Alaska. There are many people, <laughs> and in my career I spoke to them directly, and they had no problem telling me this, that it takes a lot of work to have a life, mm-hmm. you know, to have a job, have a bill, oh, you know, yeah. have bills, have a car payment, have a mortgage. That takes work. And some people have decided, I don't want that work. Well, I'm they okay. found out they can survive without it. That's correct. That's the problem. And then we, as government, all they just do is throw money at it, throw correct. money at it, throw yeah. money at it. And then they look at you. I mean, I mean you know, how long what was it? Gavin News? Gavin? Gavin. <laughs> I like that. I'm Gavin. Gavin. It does shorten it. But he just, he, you know, he mentioned the other day that it's been sent, you know, we've had decades of homelessness. And you've been throwing money at it, and it mm-hmm. still hasn't fixed the problem. Right. Doesn't somebody want to stop and let's say, "Let's elect them president"? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what I want to talk about, we, we're going to go to a break here in just a minute. But being, you know, twenty nine years, you, 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 I'm sure things were very, very different twenty nine at the beginning of twenty nine years than they were at the end of twenty nine years. Sure. So, I want to talk a little bit about that, but I definitely want to work in. Um, career law enforcement, what were your thoughts and what were your, your colleagues' thoughts and how, what was the direction when it comes to uh, uh, gun owners? You know, what, 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 how were they viewed from, from law enforcement? What do you think should have been different? You know, how are your feelings about, uh, uh, you know, CCW holders and, and all that good stuff? When we come back, I, wanna, I really want to delve into that and talk more about it. But I, I can't believe that Escondido, it just baffles me. Escondido is a big city. It just baffles me that Escondido, which is such a nice, inviting place, such a beautiful little town with great places to eat, uh, they have a gang problem. Like that's <laughs> it's heartbreaking, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then I want to talk about what do you? I mean, what's to the, the, to solve the, re, the recruitment problem? Because that that is, is a, a tough topic. That's the that's even worse than homelessness. Yeah. Right here on Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Orange County Gun Owners is dedicated to preserving and restoring Orange County self-defense rights. And if you live in Orange County and want to help defend and restore the Second Amendment, you need to join ocgunowners.com slash join. Orange County Gun Owners is the organization to help get more pro-Second Amendment officials elected. Become a member today, ocgunowners.com slash join. So we're talking to uh, current firearms instructor and retired law enforcement, John Russo. Um, 29 years on the Escondido PD, one of the things I want to talk about first is 
How, how are things different in year one compared to year 29? Boy, that's a, that's a loaded question. That's a big question. Um, <clears throat> well, first, you know, just some of the intangibles. When I first started my career was 1993, and in Escondido, we didn't have computers in the cars. Mm. We, as far as use of force options, we had batons and chemical sprays. To, uh, at that time, we were just transitioning to uh, OC mm-hmm. from um, – uh, mace and that was you know those were significant changes that happened right after that we got computers in all the vehicles we began to get other less lethal force options such as beanbag rounds tasers pepper ball different things like that and towards the late 90s early 2000s you know there was a huge push for less lethal options why is that why do you think that what, what, do you, what do you, in your memory what was the I think it was. Less I think it was um, a, a combination of factors. One was there were numerous um, high-profile incidents in the media yeah. of individuals that were shot by law enforcement because they had no other option. Uh, one of them was in San Diego with a, a homeless person with a large, heavy stick, and the officers did a great job. They did everything they could think of to try to stop this person, and finally, the person was. Uh, presenting a lethal threat to them trying to hit them with a stick and they felt that was their only option mm-hmm. um, I remember at that time our chief at the time Dwayne White a uh, great chief uh, came to me and he said he said I don't want that to happen actually I shouldn't say that. he didn't come to me he came to our entire unit our, our uh, firearms training unit and said I don't want this to happen at Escondido I want you guys researching every less lethal option we can and we did Escondido has always been at the forefront of new technology, new equipment, and they continue to do so. So we went out and looked at everything. I remember testing net guns and you name it. Whatever was out there, we wanted to make sure we put our hands on it. And the taser had just been kind of reinvented at that time, and that's when uh, we brought that to Escondido. Well, so there are a lot of less lethal options. It's the less lethal mm-hmm. options in general have come a long way in the past 30 years. If, if someone out there... Uh, you know, genuinely and sincerely ask the question, well, gee, could, could, could police officers do their job with, uh, with nothing but less lethal options? Is that, what, what would you say to that? What is I, there a possibility? I'd say absolutely not. And talk, know, talk about why. You don't, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. That's the old adage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody's trying to kill you with a lethal weapon, whether it's a firearm, a knife, a machete, uh, a less lethal option may be something you can try if you have the right staffing you know, personnel and tactics, but ultimately you can't stop somebody with a less lethal option. You know, it's, it's not a guarantee. Shooting somebody with a taser is not a guarantee. Uh, if somebody's trying to shoot you and you shoot them with a taser, it may or may not work, mm-hmm. but you ultimately may still be shot. See, I've always looked at this. Whenever you see a police officer, for example, the lady that pulled her gun instead of her taser. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's an adrenaline rush when you're involved in a situation. It could be life or death. Uh, that's why I think when you see a police officer shoot somebody, it's not one time. It's multiple times. And I think it's that, a, don't you kind of think the, the adrenaline is, is, is in the, you know, and you can hear them screaming, you know, when they're yelling and they get, they, it gets caught on their cameras. Sure. And I think that's probably a harder thing to train a police officer is to be able to how to keep your keep your wits about you in a situation like that. It is, and that's why it's so important to train. You know, training is is often touted as the the problem or the um, 
the culprit when something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So when an officer is found to be at fault and having performed uh, in, a, in a negative way, it's pointed at training. They mm-hmm. didn't get enough training. They didn't have the tools, right? Well, right. Even, but even yet, before training, isn't there a, an element of, of that assessment that's done prior to employment? There they is. There's a lot of things that mm-hmm. go into, into an officer. But what I wanted to say about training was that it's also one of the first things that are cut. So when budgets get tight, sure. you know, you know, they don't get the tax revenue they need. Right. What do they cut? They got to cut budgets somewhere, right. and often it's training because training costs money. Right, costs money in equipment, but uh, the biggest expense is, is hours. You've got to send officers to training. Well, when we're short on staffing to begin with, that means they probably are going to go on overtime. Mm-hmm. So it costs money. Well, and um, nobody talks about that. Right, you ever noticed it? I mean, if you bring up training, uh, yeah, okay. Well, well, we'll do this. Remember the two police officers we had in here? They were females. From two different departments, and we weren't allowed to mention the department. I'm not going to mention it now. But if they wanted training, they had to go get their own training sure. mm-hmm. on their yeah. own nickel. Mm-hmm. But yet, if they got into a situation, it's like, well, you just didn't have training, right? Well, you didn't provide training. No, and that's and that's a fact. And uh, you I know, think the public needs to know that. I was the training sergeant for many years. I was the range sergeant for a couple of decades, uh-huh. and in charge of all the firearms training. And, you know, we were very blessed in that even in tough times, we found a way to provide the training. Right. Um, but not every agency does that. And in some uh, agencies, you have to buy your own weapon. You do. You've got to buy your own mm-hmm. weapon. And like you said, put yourself through training. And Alicia, ammo? And ammo? Mm-hmm. Some, ha- and some ammo. you have to buy your own ammo. Sure. <laughs> or, they, or they greatly reduce the frequency that you have to qualify to. So See, that makes no sense. Yeah. No, well. That makes no sense. And Alicia made a good point about it starts before training. You know, sure. I've always said, as I said, I did the hiring for many years. If you hire quality people, you're going to have a better product down the road. But if you hire inferior people, people who don't have the, the you know, the skill sets, don't have the mental capacity, uh, don't have the the ethics, you know, that's a big one. Don't have the desire to help people. That's a big thing in law enforcement uh, is do you truly want to get into this job to help people? And that's, that needs to be at the forefront of your motivation. Because there's a lot of police officers throughout their whole career never pulled a weapon. Correct. Never shot anybody. Sure. So yeah, but, most police police officers will never shoot anybody. That's true. Police officers in a city like Escondido, for example, they pull their weapon all the time. You, you're, you got it. Yeah, you're not you you're not going through your career without pulling your weapon. But you know, as far as firing it, most are not going to shoot. Their so weapon let's go back you. to the question I had before we went to break. Uh, you know, with everybody defunding the police and you know you know all this ridiculous things, and now we've got ourselves in a situation where it's really tough to try to bring back the force. How do you, I mean, how do you recruit and stay at that high level that you're looking for? I mean, it's got to be one of the toughest jobs out there right now. It's incredibly tough. Uh, I'll I'll tell you how I did it when I was doing the hiring and and a little story to share with you regarding that. When I got hired in 1993, I was a young 21-year-old at the time I was going through the uh, application process. And, of course, not expecting to be hired. I was just happy to get a job anywhere. I was applying everywhere in the county. At that time in the county in 92, there was kind of a hiring freeze. People weren't hiring. It was tough to get a job. So when I got hired at Escondido, there were 600 of us in the initial application. When I got the job offer, I was first called and told you were number five. We're only hiring four people. Sorry, kid. A week later, I got a call back, said, hey, you got lucky. The number four guy Lied on his application, you slid into the number four spot. Out of 600. Out of 600. But here's what I remember about it. The hiring person told me, 
you better have your act together, kid, because I got 15 guys behind you that I want to hire that are good candidates. We just don't have the spots. And if you mess up, I'll bring one of them in. So I remember that. Now fast forward 20 plus years. I'm the sergeant doing the hiring. Wow. Every test, instead of 600, we'd be lucky to get 100, maybe 150. Out of those, I would have 10 open spots. I'd be lucky if out of that 100, two of them qualified. So my speech to them at the beginning of every uh, test cycle would be, look around the room. There's nobody in this room who's your competition. You're your only competition. You know, we've got oh, spots wow. if you're a quality person. So you have so to the tell point them that, the truth. You have to be sure. blatantly yeah, honest I'm right not up to I'm not going to lie to them. I'm going right. to tell them the truth. You know, these are the qualifications we're looking for. Uh, the problem is the people who possess those, and that's where we can get into a, you know, a sociological and societal right. debate, right. is where are those people now? Right. Well, have they well, stopped what? existing or have they just said, I don't want to do that job because I see how society and the treats media treats, treats law enforcement. Yeah. So what do you think it is? Because I remember 20-something years ago, I took the, the cop test down for SDPD, mm-hmm. hundreds of people. Right. And they, they didn't care if I passed the test or not. They had hundreds of people yep. to pick yeah. from. So what do you think has changed? I, th- I think it's combination. I think it's a combination of individuals that the, the top candidates just don't want to be police officers. They see what, what we're put through. They see what the media puts them through. And how much money you don't make. Sure. There's always a financial component. Um, yeah. When I was doing the hiring, I hired many people who took a pay cut. Right. Um, who were... You know, who were older in the sense of they weren't a young kid trying to get a job. They were in their late 20s, early 30s. They had a career. They were doing well. Mm -hmm. They were giving up some money to do the job they felt they were called to do. Um, You know, the other problem is I'll throw it out at social media. Um, Not, you know, there's a lot of components to social media we can blame. But part of that is now the youth of this country are doing stupid things that is documented for life. So now when you try to get a job that has an intense background, there's a lot of evidence of your improprieties you that will haunt you. social media? Yeah, we do. Oh, I didn't know that. Mike, so, do you think that – yeah, I know. Do you think that, um, you know, there is a uh, – you know, a um, it used to be that, you know, cops were your friend, you know, mm-hmm. and they had a very positive outlook. And now I think that it's – I think that's changed. I think it's fair to say that's changed. Um, has law enforcement earned any of that? I think that's a tough question, but is it, has law enforcement earned any of the negativity that they've gotten over the last few years? You know, here's the thing I'll say about that, because I, I try to never judge and pass opinions around the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. But you can only, you know, say so much when you see stuff glaring at you on the media, on your news feed, wherever it is. And, of course, I'll be the first one to say when you see something on the news, you're not getting the whole story. Right? Yeah, you're getting the sensational good. angle. Um, but here, here's a couple facts. I was one of the first ones to always step forward and be willing to hold an officer accountable, even to the point if we had to fire him. I believe, uh, you know, we should be held to a higher standard and we should ask for the best, uh, but we should treat him as such. When you look around the country, we have such a pervasive media, whether it be TV, cable news, social media, Instagram, Facebook, all these different elements that can blast things in a second, you know, to your to your phone, to your TV, whatever it is, where 20, 30 years ago, we didn't have that. Hmm. So you're not seeing all that. Now, what I'm saying is not that you're seeing all this bad stuff that was there before in hiding. That's not the case. The case is when you're only showing a sensational angle, that's all the public sees. Right. And well, it also well, helped. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, when we get back, I want to, because I want to talk about the uh, uh, Imperial Beach thing, but I also want to talk about, are there any gun laws... Uh, that that helped you as a cop. You know what I mean? 
Uh, basically, I guess what we're asking is, what gun control laws made a difference uh, when from your career when you were a police officer? See if we can get an answer to that. And the only thing I want to ask is, how much does the public need to know how to handle themselves when they face a cop? <laughs> yeah, I need it like that. I'll, I'll be happy to answer that. I'll give you first hand. Gun Honors Radio, <laughs> FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. FM 961-1170. The answer. Hey, have you ever wanted to get a pilot's license? Well, here in San Diego, pilots can fly almost every day, which makes San Diego one of the best places to learn how to fly in the world. Learn to fly with San Diego Flight Training International. Check out their deals just for gun owners. Radio listeners, one hour of ground school, one hour of flight with an instructor. Yep, you get to fly. It's normally $400. We'll do it for $350. Getting started is real easy. Just call them at 858-569-1822 or just go to SDFTI or 858-569-1822. So Imperial Beach bans retail gun shops. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that and go over what happened at the city council meeting. And we're going to talk about uh, basically the way it was written in the Union Tribune and and what what happens from here. But first, I want to finish up with with John. Uh, so the question is, what gun control laws made a difference from your career as a police officer? Well, the short answer is not too many. You know, we've had gun laws on the books for, I don't know how many decades, right? Since the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, I can tell you that in 29 years, I never arrested anybody for a gun crime where they legally bought the gun. Now, I'm not speaking for all police officers, of course, but that was my personal experience. Um, I never found Uh, gun owners per se to be any special category of criminal. I did find that most criminals that we dealt with, especially gang members, uh, people committing violent crimes, robberies, uh, drug dealers, they didn't buy guns legally. The guns they possessed uh, were illegal. They were guns that they stole, purchased off the streets. So they weren't your typical American gun owner. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let that sink in for a minute. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Jeez, I never heard that before. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. So what about, real quick, about CCW holders. Generally, uh, in, in your career over 29 years, what did uh, law enforcement feel about CCW holders? Oh, you know, law enforcement's a broad topic, but as far as here, the people I worked with, we had no problem with CCW holders. The thing about CCW holders, and I uh, teach CCW classes, and one of the things I tell my students is, remind yourself what it took for you to get here. You had to go through a background check. It was a year-long process. So by the time a police officer stops you, they know that. And they know you're a good citizen who has a clean record, who doesn't have any felonies, who has a legal right to possess a firearm. They're not nervous about it. Uh, Police officers are nervous about unknown guns. I had someone ask me in one of my classes about a year ago, uh, they knew I was on the SWAT team, and they said, hey, when you were on SWAT, weren't you scared? Or were you ever scared? I forget how they worded it. And it made me think, and I asked a couple of my buddies from the team about it, and we all agreed, no, I don't ever remember being scared on SWAT. And the reason was, by the time we showed up, we knew who the bad guy was, what he was armed with, and there was 20 of us with all the best toys and Mm -hmm. armor and a tank behind us to solve the problem. But as a police officer, I remember being nervous more than once. It's 2 a.m., you're walking on a dark car, 
tinted windows, wondering if a gangster's in the back with a shotgun ready to kill you. So that's what makes cops nervous. Once they realize who you are, you're safe, you're a legal gun owner with a permit, they're not afraid of you. You, you would think that, uh, I would imagine that if a if you do show a, your permit to a police officer that pulled you over, it would probably make them more relieved, I would, I would imagine. It does. It does. I, I, I you know, I can't... Um, Say for every, for I can't speak sure. for everybody, yeah. but I can tell you that you know most police officers once they ascertain that that's your permit, you have a legal permit. Um, they're they're not. There's no Should reason for them to be nervous. Of course, I got a monopoly. <laughs> Get out of jail. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so what's going on in Imperial Beach? The Union Tribune writes: You can no longer legally buy a gun in Imperial Beach. The city council on Wednesday adopted an emergency moratorium on new retailers selling firearms and ammunition. Approved on a four-to-one vote with Councilmember Carol Seabury opposed, the moratorium is effective immediately. The South Bay commentary, uh, excuse me, the South Bay community will not issue any business license license forty-five days, though officials could extend the order for up to two years. Let's just stop there. That sounds enormously negative, right? It sounds like you know that there were a bunch of gun shops in Imperial Beach that can no longer operate. And that they had to do this. It was an emergency moratorium. You know, they had to do this quickly. You know, and not, all this is, there are no gun shops in Imperial Beach. I was going to say, I don't think there is any gun shop. <laughs> There's not a single gun shop in Imperial Beach. And it wasn't, you know, an emergency. Um, what happened was uh, there was a gun uh, dealer in, in Imperial Beach, and she's wonderful. Her name's mm-hmm. Stephanie. And a lot of military guys know her. She was right out, men and women in the military, um, because she was right out in front of the base. I, I can't remember, I, Stephanie, if you're listening, I apologize. I can't remember if you're a veteran or if you're married to married. Active, married to an active duty guy. Okay, so had a military connection. I know a lot of military folks went through her down in Imperial Beach. So did I. And you did too? Yeah. She's wonderful. I know Stephanie, yeah. She's wonderful. So she left the state, came back and said, hey, I want to reopen my business. And it sounds like it's actually going to be even bigger than it was. She wants to do like a... A shop with clothing and you know in Imperial Beach in Imperial Beach, yeah. So which is awesome. Um, she went for the uh, permit. Well, it's a whole new city council than it was when she left. And they said, "Wait a minute, let's take a look at this. We really want to make sure there's nothing in our regs that talks about guns. We really don't know anything about guns. So let's just put this on pause. Let's quickly come up with uh, you know let's do an analysis, see if there needs to be any special regulations when it comes to guns, and then." At our next city council meeting, we'll 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 get this all figured out. Well, their next city council meeting happens to be in forty five days. So this wasn't some. Oh, emer- so they just don't even. Oh, <laughs> now listen. You know that, that I got a job for you on CNN. Yeah, really. <laughs> you'd be good. Uh, the temporary ban comes after the city received a business license application from Outdoor Women LLC, a women's sporting goods business looking. To open up a storefront on Palm Avenue, New Florida, uh, near Florida, she was home run, right? She correct, ran it out uh, of her home. Correct, out of her garage. Correct. Uh, it would sell uh, active apparel and gear for activities such as fishing, hiking, and camping. Owner Stephanie uh, said about ten percent of her business would uh, include uh, selling firearms. <clears throat> Unlike the estimated one hundred and five jurisdictions in California that require firearms dealers to obtain a local license in addition to abiding by state and federal requirements, Imperial Beach has no rules on such operations. One hundred and five. How many municipalities? There are 18 municipalities just in San Diego County, mm-hmm. and only 105 of them have special rules. Now, here's the deal. Um, you know, and, and we were there, and every, I got to tell you, that night, Wednesday night, um, everybody who spoke spoke on behalf of Stephanie and or behalf of the idea of having a gun shop there. I mean, it was really, truly 
uh, almost overwhelming. Oh, you went to a meeting? Portion. Oh, yeah, I was there. gave a statement. My whole point, the thing I tried to get across was um, there's nothing different between a gun retailer and any other retailer. Now, if this were a range, maybe there'd be some consideration for noise, lead, lead noise, sure. maybe. But uh, you know, the idea that they're that they're somehow significantly different because what they're retailing is guns is ridiculous. Well, more rules and regulations would relate to a gun store than, let's say, a, a clothing store. Well, it already like does. What? It no, already does. Not not on the city level. Like what? What does the a city doesn't have to consider anything? You don't think? Like, well, I don't. What? What would they have to consider? Only if they have ordinances in and, place. Right. Well, and this was my next point. My next point was before you just start slapping down some rules and regulations. What do you? What problems are you trying to solve? Yeah. Well, you I know? can. I would look at this from a different angle as a good thing. Mm-hmm. This forty-five uh, day stay. Yeah. If their intention is to truly research it. Yep. Because what's going to happen if they grant it today? There's a whole other side of our society that's going to go to that council and pitchfork saying, why are you allowing yeah. this? Yeah. And then we've seen it before where the council says, oh, well, let's stop. Mm-hmm. And the poor business owner now has to stop while there's more drama. Right. So if the council's truly doing their due diligence and in 45 days says, yep, we've checked all the boxes, you're good to go. Now when those people rise up, the council can tell them, couldn't We're agree good. more, John. See, and that's, that's why exa- he's a good cop. That's exactly right. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's exactly uh, – I think you're exactly right. I totally agree with you. And I've already been in contact with uh, the, the, some of the city council, and one of them in particular who I felt was uh, definitely on the more cautious side. You know, I don't want to say he was anti because that's not true. I really, I really got the feeling that the city council was like, hey, we just want to do this right. He just Let's may just not know. Sure. Right. And he truly – but he, he was probably the most – cautious let's say Mm -hmm. and he was asking some fairly good questions i'm already you know in contact with him uh there was a lot of talk of buffer zones they kept saying well i don't know right in their schools and daycares why which isn't that already in place by doj and atf Mm -hmm. i I don't know if there's Um, actually my understanding is i don't know if there are but but the but my the point i made to them was you know these buffer zones had nothing they don't they didn't come up with buffer zones um out of a, a of safety concern there's no, there's not a safety concern. Right. You know, there aren't, there, there aren't projectiles flying in a, in a gun store, and if there are, that's a huge problem. And, and if that's already illegal. And you're going to need more than a buffer. <laughs> well, you need more than a buffer, right? I mean, it's not like what are you going to do? I mean, the buffer zone has to be two miles. Yeah. But uh, here's the thing, the buffer zone. It was more like, it was more like, hey, this adult shop. We don't want an adult shop where kids can see it, so they can be influenced. That was the thinking. We don't want these evil gun people to influence our kids. That's where these buffer zones came up uh, or how they were uh, uh, created was it was, Hey, gun people are evil, but it just kind of, it just kind of, Oh, well, yeah. All right. We'll put a buffer zone by our school. It doesn't actually make yeah. sense. But, but the trans could come in and have a party at the school. Well, I, I don't know about that. I'm just <laughs> saying, but the, um, uh, uh, that was, so I'm trying to get that point across. Don't just say, hey, these other five municipalities have this rule. We're going to do it, too. Right. Think about what are you trying to solve, number one. Number two, what's the actual origin of these things? Were those other municipalities trying to just right. get rid of gun shops? Because if that's your intention, it'll definitely come out in the regs, just like you're saying, John. And if that's the case, we right. know exactly what to do with that. And, and, I agree, <laughs> and I agree with John, too, because what by going 45 days, it's not the end of the world. Not at all. And that allows the left or the whatever – Action that's going to go after him 
it's going to take away their their it's going to take away their their ammunition, so to speak. You know, because you can say, "Hey, look, we did the research. Here's the report. Read it. Tell me what what we did wrong." And I yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, but uh, so John, how do people find you if they want to train yeah. with you? So for many years, I wrote for gun magazines before starting my own. It's uh, gunsandgame.com. Gunsandgame.com. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that. So, so go to gunsandgame.com. And, yep. Okay, great. You'll see all our info on there. Appreciate it. And so, thank you for your service. Thank you for you having me. I truly appreciate, appreciate it. it. Right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. Stand by. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio. We are your Second Amendment community. Interviews, product reviews, politics, trivia. Gun Owners Radio has it all and more. Check us out at gunownersradio.com and tune in every week to hear Dave Stahl, Michael Schwartz, and all our guests talk about everything Second Amendment. Here we go. All right, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Inland Empire gun owners strive to be the ounce of prevention in the fight for your gun rights. How do they do it? They do it by fundraising and getting local pro-gun candidates elected. Become a member today. Go to iegunowners.com slash join and join the growing number of responsible gun owners uh, stepping up to defend our Second Amendment right. That's iegunowners.com slash join all right. Subscribe and win. Subscribe to our email list and win some swag. To subscribe, you go to gunowners.com and uh, sign up for our email list, and you'll be up to date on all the happenings, all the Gun Owners Radio ins and outs, ups and downs, and happenings throughout the week. If we have a, a some kind of special something or other going on, you'll you'll learn about it. Or if we're we put up a new show, whether on uh, you know podcast, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast you'll you'll find uh you'll find it there first so subscribe and win this week's winner is fernando roblos is that how you say that roblos r-o-b-l-e-s congratulations fernando Mm -hmm. email prizes at gunownersradio.com to claim your t-shirt or hat that's prizes at gunownersradio.com uh, free training for members. Winners will be announced today. We've been talking about this for a while, I believe. Mm-hmm. So let's see what this is. This is a basic pistol shooting course from San Diego Firearms School. It's $140 value. Uh, Matthias, how are you, sir? Splendid. How about you? Fantastic. Now, you donated this, right? I did indeed. Well, thank you so much. It's extremely generous. Yeah. And you presented at the uh, the uh, the gun show, the symposium, the CCW lifestyle. How how did that go for you? That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. What, what'd you like about it? Um, I liked that um, the variety of topics, the variety of speakers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And what uh, 
So you donated the basic pistol shooting course. What what is that gonna? What do they get? What what do they get in the basic sh- pistol shooting course? So that is an eight hour class. Wow! It is NRA certified. Nice. Four hours in the classroom. Four hours on the range. Yep. We'll cover everything from safety. We'll start with that always. Safety, how the gun operates, how to maintain it, selection of ammo, um, shooting fundamentals, of course. And then later on, we go to the range and put that all into practice. Nice. And you donated that, and a bunch of people signed up, and we have one winner. We're going to announce right now. The winner is... George Dorr. Congratulations, George. That's George Dorr, D-O-R-E, George Dorr. I believe that's how you say it. Is that how you say it? I'm having a hard time with last names. Alicia, can we get a ruling? Is that how you say that? Yes. Excellent. That's, that's <laughs> the confidence behind that. Yes. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. So you're going to teach George, or I don't know, he might even want to donate it to somebody else, but the point is you're going to get a new student, and I can't tell you how much we appreciate you uh, donating that and, and being a part of Gunners Radio. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun for me too. Yeah, and we're going to we're going to spend a couple of segments talking uh, to uh, Matthias and talk all about your a little bit about your history. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what you do and, and all kinds of really uh, interesting stuff. So I look forward to it. So, um, Alicia, what uh, talk a little bit more about you? Just tell us what you just told us. Tell the audience what you just told us about your students. I think that's interesting. So uh, just the, this has never come up for me before. However, it's happened twice in the last two days, once today and once yesterday. I had, you know, we've talked a lot about how there's a new population of people that tend to be women that mm-hmm. are getting more into firearms. We're seeing more and more women. Well, just recently I've had um, a number of people come to me that don't speak English. Wow. So we're getting, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, and I, I don't personally know of any firearms instructors that speak Spanish. I know Matthias speaks German. So I've, I'm kind of getting like a little Rolodex of people that, you know, if I get uh, people that need have certain needs. However, these people are Spanish speakers. I might be able to order a burrito if I'm lucky at a taco shop. So my knowledge there was a little bit, was a little interesting. So uh, we made it work. And um, did you use a translator on your phone? I did not. Um, I Luckily, I had an opportunity to bring another employee for a very short amount of time to kind of get the, the basics in, just a few minutes worth, just for, for safety. And from there, it was much like charades. And we made it work, and they actually did really well. So when ordering a burrito, you know, <laughs> how do you say burrito in Spanish is really the question. Uh, you probably have to roll that R. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I really so. think that it, it speaks to uh, – uh, the wide variety of people who are interested in firearms. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. It's not just all a bunch of handsome, mustached guys like, like Dave. But if they didn't speak any English, how did they even know to come to you? That's a great question. Well, they're, 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 Wish I could have communicated to find out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were customers at, at DGM, right? Discount, uh, they both on. booked with me themselves online through the website. So, Which website? Uh, well, DGM has a website. You go to discountgunmart.com. Okay. So, yeah, private so, lessons can be and booked. It's, and that's not in Spanish? Uh, no, it is not. You're right. Well, but you can tell. Like, it's just a calendar. Like, you know, they, they know that <laughs> well, the Well, they don't know what they're signing Monday. up for. They could be signing up for a burrito class. Well, maybe they uh, they obloud the uh, English. You know, I that would drive me crazy. I would definitely hunt them down and say, how did you even find out about us? Yeah, well. Maybe. Well, I think it's awesome. And they did well? They did well. You got them on target? I did. And taught them all kinds of safety? I well, did. how do you know they did well? They didn't talk to you. <laughs> See, the target's very visual, Dave. <laughs> okay, I just check it. They actually hit, hit the target? They did. You think they'll be back? They did. Uh, yeah. She hopes not. Yeah. They, they took my card. 
That's awesome. I think so. Well, congratulations. Matthias, do you speak uh, Spanish? I do not. Not today. No, I don't, I don't speak Spanish. I wonder what Spanish would sound like with a German accent. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I'll bet you I don't think, think it would be pretty cool. I don't think a German accent R. is one of the more attractive ones. I don't think it is. It's, I, well, I got to tell you, being an instructor with like a German accent, like I'm listening to I mean, to you, it has like, authority, but yeah. it's not attractive. <laughs> yeah, but see, every time I hear him talk, I think of Sergeant... Uh, Clink, clink. <laughs> I can't help it. And I love that. Colonel I love clink. that accent. Yeah, I love clink. that accent. I think it's. You know what? I should be a bad guy on an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Then all your skin will fall off your face. But you know, I think I think people with that. I mean, I do enough radio. I like folks that have an accent because it differentiates between who's all sitting mm-hmm. around the table. But. I just think it's. An, I like listening to it. Well, I would. I would even say that you have a thick accent. No, no, just, no, no, no. You have very good uh, uh, diction, right? You're thank very you. yeah. Yeah, thank very, you. I, yeah. I think you're very deliberate. He he's been at Chula Vista long enough to where it sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, where I just kind of like half my words kind of get all Slurry. slathered together, and people are like, "What?" And I'm Yours like, oh, is yeah. new skis. That's what your problem is. <laughs> well, it is kind of weird. My my old man's from the Midwest. My mom was from Philly. I grew up in the South. Oh my lord! So it's like this weird conglomerate. And then Hawaii. And then well, yeah, Hawaii. Who know? I don't even. I don't know what that did to me. But it was awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, Matthias, we're looking forward to talking to you. I really, truly. Um, for those who don't know, we're al- we're also going to do a. Uh, we're going to talk about certain subjects, but um, uh, I had such a good time speaking with you at the symposium. You and I kind of pulled mm-hmm. up a chair and just kind of had a a great conversation that. It has inspired me to. We're going to do a Magnum episode. Uh, we're going to record it next week, mm-hmm. and we're really going to talk about your past and how you got that German accent. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I, it was just absolutely fascinating. So there's a lot of things that we're not going to touch on that we talked about um, in this in the upcoming interview. I really want to talk in the upcoming interview. We're going to talk about uh, you know your training and your philosophy and beliefs as far as training goes. And uh, all that other good stuff. But uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, uh, all the support you give to Sandy Goodkind Gun Owners, all the support you give to Gun Owners Radio. Uh, super, super generous. Well, he doesn't have a watch. He doesn't have a watch. That's the first thing I looked at. That's the first thing I looked I at. I wonder if he has a watch. He's got this new thing now. It's on Instagram. He takes mm-hmm. pictures of total strangers. If you got a cool watch, you're going on Instagram. I, I think he probably saw me. I found a dude with a Rolex at the at the gun show. I know you did. You saw. <laughs> One of these last... days you're going to get punched. You know that. <laughs> I'm not gonna... I always ask them. Last week my waiter had a, uh, yeah. a super nice Rolex on. Yeah, so I hope you tip like, well. Oh my god, I, he should be tipping me. His watch is better than mine. <laughs> as soon as you said that at a restaurant, yeah. God dang, where you eating? I'm like brother? Rolex. All right, you're not, you're not getting a tip. I thought that was Denny's. I don't know <laughs> who at Denny's is a waiter. All right, we got to take a quick break. Why? Because we have to. Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, is there a better tool that empowers a woman to defend against an attacker that's 100 pounds bigger? Nope. That's why it's so important to 
for women to learn how to defend themselves with the most effective self-defense tool ever invented. For women, led by women, the Not Me program is designed to help with the training, purchasing a gun, and getting a concealed carry permit. And guess what? It's free. Sign up. Go to NotMeSD.org. NotMeSD.org. You know, I've done this at least 10 times in the last three days. What? Every woman I meet, I tell them about this. You've met 10 women in the past two days? I get a lot of them at KUSI. (laughs) Where, Where are you meeting all these women? Oh, you want? Oh, to you know? told him about not me. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I Desi, Desi was. She was just on there Saturday morning. Did you see her? No, I missed her. She right. went on there Saturday morning, and she's not going to be happy that you weren't watching. So uh, you better don't change tell your story. her. We're, we'll cut this. Out. This All won't right. make it to. Oh, that's right. She's. Listening. We'll cut this out in post. She does this. I'm in so much trouble. She's. She's done such a great job. She's. I uh, but I seriously. I mean, do you do that? Every woman I talk to. I don't know about I every woman. It, I bring up the topic. I was just at two. Two guests that were on last uh, at the last show. Yeah, uh, you daughter, pushed not mother, me. Mother, daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. That's awesome. Anyway. Are you familiar, Matthias, with our Not Me program? I have mentored. That's what I thought. Oh, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, there you go. It's a good program. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. It's almost like a um, like a public service type of thing. Exactly right. Yeah, because yeah. it's free. Yeah. Wait a minute. He's a guy. How can he mentor? He, well, he, Mentor is deeper than an ambassador. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you, You're Alicia. Welcome. I was trying to get in there. Uh, Matthias from San Diego Firearms Academy. Introduce yourself. Talk a little bit about who you are, where, where your background is. All right. Well, we've already heard I'm from Germany originally. Yep. Uh, I came over here, I don't know, 15 years ago, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, in Germany, I was in the Army. We had a draft. I had to go. Uh, well, I could have figured out a way not to, but I chose to go. Um, it was about a year, and then you're automatically in the reserves. But it works a little different than over here. So um, in the end, I became a boot camp instructor. That was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Um, beats being a recruit, I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so how long are you in total? Uh, I am not sure. I'd have to guess maybe two years, maybe less than two years. You're in a couple of years? Because it was it was not consecutive. Oh, I see. So why was there a draft? What When, when, did, when did Germany? So after the war, Germany rearmed in 1955 because mm-hmm. uh, that's when we – regained partial sovereignty mm-hmm. up until then the allies had to say yep. um we re- it was at first it was two years then it reduced it to 18 months 12 months nine months and then they got rid of it because now we don't have any more enemies um so there is no draft anymore it's all voluntary but, but you, you see i thought you said you got drafted uh, during my time we had a draft so yeah, so why was there a draft why did why did they why did you get drafted why did they why were they drafting because <laughs> well, they had uh, enemies. Cold, cold war i mean that's a, that's a remnant from the cold war during my time, obviously, Cold War was long over. Was it a hundred percent draft? Is it like everybody who's eighteen has to serve, or uh, only men? Okay, right. So at one point, a woman sued that she wanted to go to the military in a combat role. Yeah. Women weren't allowed before. She won, so then women weren't al- were allowed, but they still didn't have to. Right, mm-hmm. equal rights, but not equal responsibility. Kind of a little bit unfair. And then by the time our army was so, or the military was so small. That wasn't even feasible to draft everybody anymore. So people kept suing and finding ways out because they said it's not fair. Why does this guy have to go, but I don't, or the other way? I did this buddy of mine that I went to high school with um, did twenty years in the in the army, and uh, he went through um, oh, one of the, a major schools. Either his he went he went to he became an officer. Uh, he he also went through ranger school uh, with a guy who was German. 
and he was like, yeah, I wanted to be in the military. And he, he basically was like, there really just isn't that much of an opportunity in Germany. And yeah. just said, forget it. I'm coming. I'm going to be an American. Go join their army. <laughs> so. Yeah. So during my time, the army was so small that there technically was a draft, but not everybody got called. I see. Um, I got called. So I went. How did, did you enjoy being in the military? It was nice. Yeah. What did you do? Um, so boot camp, three months. Um, then my dad kind of placed me somewhere, right? Because uh, he was in the army for 35 years. Mm. He knew everybody. Um, he was, what's before Sergeant Major? What's below that? Oh, the American uh, equivalent. Yeah, Sergeant Major. Uh, what, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. So, he was an E6. Our ranks are a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and he was in Afghanistan. He was in Kosovo. He was in the anteroom of a bunch of generals. So he knew everybody. And I wanted to go to law school. So my dad said, hey, put this guy somewhere that'll help him for law school. So I ended up in the equivalent to the Pentagon. Um, that was super interesting. Saw a couple of things there that wasn't on the news, but, you know, nothing super crazy. Okay, yeah. Is there's not, is there's, it's not a pen, Pentagon? Well, it's a parallelogram or something else? Yeah. <laughs> it's a square. No, it's, it's the uh, Ministry of Defense. Oh, okay. But, you well, know. That's cool. Well, that's a good experience. That was pretty cool, yeah. I saw a couple of interesting things there. With, uh, can, something you can talk about or? Um, They'll have to shoot you. <laughs> we had a delegation there from Uzbekistan that wanted to find out about how we do our draft. Mm-hmm. So they came to learn from us, and you know, I was I was a little corporal, and they said, "Hey, pick pick up this delegation at the airport and bring them over here and chaperone them and all this sort of stuff." That was super cool. So, did you become a lawyer? No, <laughs> I actually dropped out of law school before I graduated in order to uh, pursue hotel management. So Wait, that's way better. From a lawyer to hotel management, I, you may, that's an upgrade. Is what that yeah. is. I think it is. <laughs> well, you know, the subject matter is super interesting. I, I love that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I didn't like the type of work. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now, did the, in in Germany, uh, were you into guns? Did the military get you into guns, or how? Did, or what, when you in Germany, were mm. you into guns at all? So in Germany, we don't have a Second Amendment. There are no gun rights. Mm. Gun ownership is possible. Is very very difficult. Um, but it's possible. You can forget about carry, though. Um, my first exposure really was with the military. My dad had taken me to the armory before, you know, just on some random day. He said, hey, you want to come with me? I said, yeah, sure. So we went to looked at some guns there, um, but obviously didn't shoot anything. So my first real hands-on exposure was in boot camp. Mm. Now, growing up in Germany, were you... You know, did you guys did you play army? Was there kids into guns? <laughs> yeah, There's, yeah, all of that. Yeah, cowboys and Indians, army. You know, <laughs> so so going to the armory that was kind of cool. Like, hey, wow, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. every once in a while, the uh, the barracks there would do an open ho- open house mm-hmm. once a year or something. My dad would always take us, my brother and me. I think I was more interested in, than my brother, even though my brother then ended up becoming a cop. Um, you know, climb around a tank. And do all that sort of stuff. It's pretty cool. Is that why you noticed this? Yeah. <laughs> That's what right, I... Right. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, I joined the army to go to Germany. You did. <laughs> and they sent my butt to Korea. And I had to build Very one different. of these. Oh, wow. From scratch. From scratch. Like I'd a, been down for three years. Like a Lego kit. Like a Lego kit. Yeah. Nice. But so, I always wanted to go to Germany. But Well, why don't you? Well, I'm not now because I'm not joining... I mean, they wanted me to re-enlist. I said, okay, well, any place in the United States... Why did you want to go to Germany? Because I wanted to go to Germany for multiple reasons. One, they, it was massive tanks in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Big armor divisions over yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. But, it wasn't like, yeah, I, mean, my dad I thought wasn't. maybe it was a cultural thing. Or? No. Well, and then plus, too, to be honest with you, I wanted to build a Lotus Super 7 
in the auto shop and then go to all the schools, the driving schools, because Germany and oh, Britain, they all had God. driving schools. We didn't have them in the U.S. That's interesting. And I wanted to become a race car driver, hmm. and then I was going to come back to the United States and not be looking at you. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, that's Korea. I noticed he's the Kia. first guy that's looked at this shirt yeah. and knew what he was looking at. So, you know, Korea's got Hyundai. Not back in those days. They didn't even <laughs> yeah. have an asphalt road, right? dude. That's the same. No, no. They, they had mopeds. And, now, Korea didn't have anything. Everything they had back in the 60s. Sorry, sorry Korea. You, before, sorry about that, before Korea. Before you were born. So did, you didn't get in against you got to the United States. Um, well, I, I did enjoy the shooting part in boot camp. Yeah. Um, what did you shoot? I did pretty well. But So the first pistol or the first gun I ever shot was a P1, which is the successor of the P38. Yeah. That's a World War II type of gun. Yeah. Mm. It was the only difference is the alloy, the, the metal it's made from. Right. Other than that, it's still the same gun, and that was in 2003. Sam would love this. That yeah. was that Sam was great. Yeah, that was, that was fun. And then uh, the, the standard issue is the G3, uh, G36 yeah. now. Right, I have a G3 clone at home, um, but I would like to get a G36 because that's a really neat gun, but they're so expensive. Oh, really? Is that what they're Yeah. Doing? And you know what's funny? Because I drilled on that gun so much and so hard, blindfolded, in the dark, upside down and everything. Wow. I love that gun a lot, but now I don't like the AR. <laughs> okay. You, know? you, like but it's, you like it better, huh? It's probably, though, because I haven't spent a lot of time with the AR. Right. If I spend more time on it, I'd probably like it better. Well, bigger yeah. ammo, right? The 762 NATO. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a little bigger than yeah. the 556. Five, yeah. Yeah. So, Bigger's uh, better. So, but, okay, so you get out of the military, you're in Germany, can't really own a gun. Was Were, were guns an interest, or when did when did owning guns become really interesting to you? Uh, for me personally, it was not an interest, but only because it was not an option. Yeah. Had it been an option, I probably would have been interested in it. Um, a friend of mine has a farm, right, and he has livestock. So he went to try and get a gun, and they asked him for necessity. In, in Germany, you have to prove necessity. And he said, well, I have geese. I have a problem with the fox. So they told him, well, your need is fulfilled by this specific gun. That's what you can get. Oh, wow. That's funny. Yeah. Why do you think that? Why was it so restrictive? Um, how far back do you want me to go? Yeah. I was <laughs> like, just going to say. Well, I mean, I think, uh, I, I don't know, just in general, maybe from 30,000 feet, you know, were they just influenced by all the other European countries? Was it left over from World War II? Or what are your thoughts on why it was it was so restrictive in Germany? So, very briefly, I'll go back to about 17th century. Before then, no, no restrictions, no gun control, no nothing. But in the 17th century, because the German territory there, the Holy Roman Empire at the time, um, feudal states, kings, queens, lords, whatever... Uh, they were in power. They wanted to keep the power. So they decided, you know what? Only soldiers. Mm. State-sanctioned people can have weapons. Uh, then fast forward, 1848, we had a revolution in Germany where people were trying to get into democracy. That didn't work out. But um, ironically, all the liberals that wanted to have democracy were the ones that wanted gun rights for the people. Um, and they're their model, what they were after, was the Second Amendment in the United States. Oh, ah. So the conservatives, the the rulers, the the monarchs, all of them, they were against it. They didn't want none of that. Kind of opposite from here, because over here, it's, right? You know. But in Germany, the liberals, the Democrats, they said, no, the people need to be armed, because you know, 
the monarchs. We need to stand up to the monarchs or be able to. Interesting. Wouldn't you love to tell a liberal that? <laughs> well, there's a whole... Yeah. I'd love to tell him a lot of things. Yeah, well, that's not a story. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, folks. This is Gun Owners Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Yeah, I think our guest knows how to play guitar. <laughs> hey, a lot of companies waste an enormous amount of money on marketing. The design is excellent. The photos are beautiful. Your website looks great, but it's not getting customers because you don't have the words that make people buy. But you, but now you can fix that with SageTree. SageTree can help you find the words that make it easy for your customer to understand what you do and how to buy from you. Stop wasting money today and schedule a call. Getting started is easy. Visit SageTree.com. And circle or click on the schedule an appointment button at sagetree.com and click on the schedule a call button. And you know who's going to do that? Me. Because well, my website yeah. has been down for I can't even tell you. And I think I need to resurrect. Well, I got to tell you, San Diego County Gun Owners uses Sage Tree. Gun Owners Radio uses Sage Tree. And who was that guest that came in? That it was ready before he was ready. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a DC comic. Yeah, the uh, DC comic. Oh, you Gabe. missed a great Gabe. interview. Yeah. Too I, know. I was watching. But yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so I'm going to be a testimonial. Do it. Sage Tree's the best. If you uh, if you have a need, go to Sage Tree. They're the absolute best. So, Matthias, so talk about, so you get to the United States. What was your first, like, what what what, what inspired you to buy a gun? What What happened that you actually purchased your first firearm? You know, to be honest, it was just the fact that I could. That I is so a, different I from Germany. I think that's Germany. a great reason. <laughs> <laughs> that is so different from Germany. That is yeah. that that is something that I could have never imagined I can I can do in Germany. Um, freedom. <laughs> what else was so you came to the United States? Were there was, was there anything other than that? Like was there something else in America that you know, like well, I got to do this just because I can? Or is that pretty much it? Was that the one thing that you did because you can? I think that's the one thing, yeah. It's the, it's, it, it's, it sets the, us apart, doesn't it? It does, yeah. We don't have that. I don't know how many other countries there are that have a fundamental right to own firearms. Mm. Is there? Is there? I, I don't know if there is. There might be, yeah, but I don't know one. It's a good question. It's a good question. I don't really know. Maybe we'll ask, we'll ask my nephew here in the next segment, see if he yeah. can, he'll probably know. Um, okay, so you bought one just because you could. Where, where, where were you living? Uh, I was in Boston at the time. Yeah. I lived in Boston for five years. That's my port of entry. Do you remember what did you buy? Bought it from a coworker, a uh, a uh, Taurus PT nine oh eight nine millimeter. Really? Any particular reason you bought that? Because my coworker offered it. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to get rid of it, and I said, "Yeah, sure, let me try it." And looked at it and felt good, f- good size for me. It was ergonomically, it was a good fit for me, so I went with it. So did that? Was that like the? Was that the bug that bit you, or what happened after that? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had so I was a boot camp instructor in the army, so I had been teaching people there. And then when I came to uh, America, I took my wife to the range. And then every time somebody came to visit from Germany, we went shooting because they all wanted to do that. <laughs> and so I've been training people like privately yeah. for a long time too. Your uh, wife's American. My wife's American. What was she? What were her thoughts? You, you, she 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 Jeez. she picks up this crazy German, brings him to the United States, and boom, he's getting into guns. What was her thought on? 
Was uh, she pro gun or no? She was a little bit disappointed because she liked that I was this little Euro boy. <laughs> we but, ruined you. But now I'm American. I got my pair of boots at home and a hat, cowboy hat, and all that. You know, closet full of guns. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so yeah. great. I assimilate it like I should. Yeah, you're an American yeah. now. You know? Now I am. So congratulations. Well, do, what uh, what's what's your what's the favorite gun that you've that you've purchased? I would say the. The the Taurus, really? Yeah, it's not it's nothing special. The whole entire thing is made out of metal. It's heavy. It's kind of it's. They don't even make it anymore, right? They stopped production, I think, in '97. Mine is from '96, uh, but it's purely sentimental uh, because okay, it's the yeah. first one I got. Sure. Yeah. So not and not only did you, she brought you to America, and here you not only became a gun owner, but now you are a firearms instructor. Yeah. What? How? How did that happen? What was that transition? So. Um, like I said, every time somebody from Germany came to visit, yeah. they all wanted to go to the range and shoot or, you know, BLM land and plink. Um, friends of mine from Germany, they, uh, Martin, he served as well. His little brother didn't. Um, but they came over with their dad and a friend, and we had to stop at the store first and buy a bunch of melons because <laughs> they wanted <laughs> oh, to they blow up the watermelons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that was fun. And then really I got into instructing around George Floyd. Hmm. because then really a lot of people came up to me and said, hey, you know how to shoot. I want to learn. What can you tell me about it? What should I get? What do I need to do? And I figured, you know what? There's probably a market for this. So so what advice would you have for people who are thinking, you know, that they might want to become an instructor? Like what, what's, a, what's a route you think they should take? For new instructors? Yeah, somebody who's been shooting for years and now they want to be an instructor. Well, you got to like instructing. You know, I can be on the range with 20 people for eight hours a day and I come home relaxed. Hmm. It's not work for me. Yeah. So you got to like instructing. Um, good advice. And you might be a good instructor for some people, but not for others. You need to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want So my kid and I, we go to the range sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think I'm doing okay with my kid, even though as the parent, that's probably not the, the best combination. Um, I really, really do well with beginners. I love having beginners. Why do you think that is? Because they're really excited. Yeah. They don't have any bad habits. Mm. They're eager. They want to soak it up. They listen. Yeah. They're very excited. Alicia, do you teach your kids? I have. Yeah. All, all, yeah, all four of them. Yeah. I have. How is but, it with mom teaching them? You know, mine are actually, well, here's, here's what's different. I homeschool my kids, so my kids are used to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dynamics a little bit different. However, you know what would be interesting, Matthias? Maybe yeah. I'll give you mine and I'll take yours. <laughs> okay. You got kids yeah. yeah. Sure. I'm curious to see how that goes. Yeah, no, my ki- my kids listened well, um, but, but I, I agree that dynamic often does not work. Parents and, then, and, and kids, then, also spouses don't no. work well oh, together. Spouses uh-huh. definitely yeah. don't work. Yeah. And then after you guys get done training each other's kids, paintball. <laughs> Take them to paintball. <laughs> See how that goes. Family on family yeah. paintball. Yeah. So um, is, is there anything, talk a little bit about um, your philosophy on shooting in general. You know, is there something that you, uh, you know, firmly believe that, uh, or, or something that people should keep in mind or, or a tip or a trick or something that you uh, teach people that maybe you don't see v- v- that often? Or are you a stick-to-the-basics kind of guy? Well, I think the basics are important. Yeah. But um, I think it is very important for people to have the, the – to sit down and deliberate with themselves if it's the right thing for them, you know, because uh, like I said at the symposium, mm-hmm. uh, CCW Lifestyle – if you get a gun and you plan to carry and only then you find out, wait a minute, religiously I'm not supposed to 
or my conscience doesn't allow me to use lethal force, you want to make that choice before you decide whether or not to get the gun, you know? Yeah. Do you carry every day? Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, how long would you get your CCW? Uh, don't know exactly, but I haven't renewed it yet. Okay. Couple so less ago. than two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, how, well, how, we'll talk about the uh, the difference, you know, between, you know, the month prior to being able to carry, the month after you were able to carry. What 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 are some noticeable differences to you? So I used to, I had a LTC in Massachusetts over there, license to carry, yeah. LTC, Class A, unrestricted. Um, and then I came to California and I had to give it up. Mm. That was, that took some getting used to not having it. Interesting. You know, well, first it took some use to having it. Because you always feel the weight, you're super conscious about it. You're nobody's supposed to see it, so you keep checking if somebody can see it. Is it printing? So you really got to get used to it first. And then when I came to California, I had to get used to not having it. I I found I I went through the same thing, and it was like if you don't have it, you'd kind of go through, you know, that wallet panic feeling. Yeah. You know, like where's my uh, you know, and uh, and when you get really, I found that like a month into it or so. I would get. I was so comfortable by that point that I'd have that wallet panic feeling, like, "Oh, I forgot my. Oh no, no I got it. I got mm-hmm. it. Everything's good." But there's, I don't really know how to explain this because it's not like there are thi- there are places I don't. I I wouldn't go without a gun. You know, if I felt I needed a gun to go there, I wouldn't go there. So that yeah. that's not what I'm describing. But I think that, and I'm assuming everybody kind of does this. I I you know, when you're going through an analysis. You know, uh, you know, you're kind of, you know, 20 times a day, you kind of check in with yourself, like, you know, you know, uh, you know, a self-awareness thing and, you know, surroundings, that sort of thing. And I, I, having a firearm, your ability to defend yourself figures into that, mm-hmm. at least it does for me. Mm-hmm. And I can't, now that I carry, I don't know how, like, how did I do this for 40 years? You know, or whatever, you know, how do people go around without carrying? You know, I mean, there are so many problems that could happen that would be solved with a firearm. There are so many problems in society that do happen that are solved by your ability to carry a firearm. And I think to myself, how can people just blissfully walk through life without the ability to defend yourself? I don't know. Is that, is, do you have ever similar thoughts or? That's one of those uh, situations where people be like, that's never going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. You know? That happens on in movies. That happens in a different neighborhood. That doesn't happen here. That'll never happen to me. So what do you? T- what would you tell somebody who said that that would never happen to me? Well, you get auto insurance, right? You don't think you'll have an accident. You don't get insurance because you think you're going to have an accident. You get it just in case. <clears throat> yeah, that's yep. you. That's an analogy that you hear a lot, I guess. Insurance is, you know, probably yeah. a good analogy. What would you What would you tell new shooters, uh, other than have a you know deliberate with yourself? Uh, what's some some hands on advice uh, that that you'd have for new shooters? What's something that new shooters do uh, often? That, uh... So f- first of all, get training is is the best advice I can give anybody, and get training with an instructor. Don't I mean going to the range by yourself and getting comfortable, getting used to it. That's great, but go get an instructor too. I go get an instructor every once in a while. I take a class with somebody every once in a while. Because if you're on the range and you're doing something wrong the whole time, you don't know that you're doing that wrong. You need somebody else to see that for you, like anticipating recoil. Mm. You know, that's a big thing. That's a a lot of people do that. Well, even Jordan had a coach, right? Mm -hmm. That's what they say. So 
no matter how good, no matter how many years you've been putting holes in paper, mm-hmm. uh, getting instruction from somebody, uh, I would imagine, is enormously invaluable. Yeah. I'd, I'd never teach a class where <clears throat> I don't learn something also. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And I've had people in the class that were way more experienced than I was because I didn't have the benefit of shooting in the backyard with my dad or my grandpa right. when I grew up. So I've had law enforcement, former law enforcement in my class. Um, some of them, they really needed some advice, like um, like uh, corrections officers or Border Patrol. They didn't pass their qualification, and they came to say, hey, what, why am I not hitting the target? What can you show me? But some of them, they just come because they want the certificate. Yeah. They, they know way more than I do. Yeah. And, you know, we learn from each other. Well, you were, you were talking about being a mentor earlier for, mm-hmm. the, for some of our shooting socials. And I think teaching other people has it made me an enormously better shooter. I agree. Uh, you know, what's your website? Um, well, most of everything I do is through uh, Instagram, San Diego Firearms School. We do have a website, but that's getting revamped. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. So find you on Instagram. San Diego Firearm School, all one word. Excellent. All right, let's take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio FM, 1170. The answer. Hey, gun prom tickets are on sale. Mm-hmm. You need to join San Diego County gun owners and the rest of the Second Amendment community at the town and country in Mission Valley. Get your fancy suit on or your cowboy boots. Get your dress out of the closet. Iron it. And hang out with some like-minded people that are all about self-defense. Second Amendment dinner is coming up on September 16th. Get your tickets now. And reserve your spot for a night with great people, great food, and drinks, all at a great cost. Go to GunProm.com to get your tickets now. Buy a table. Bring your friends and family. That's GunProm.com. And buy your tickets today. I got to get a suit. I got to buy a suit. You have a suit. I got a couple more months, though. You have a suit. Maybe, maybe, hopefully, if, if I buy a suit in a couple more months, it might be smaller than the suit I buy today. So let's, let's all pray for that. You got a suit think, for, for 916, for September 16th? Do I look like I'm going to wear a suit? What are you going to wear? You like, slap a tie on that shirt. A car shirt. Oh, that's right. Alicia, do you have your dress picked out? Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. What color are we going with this year? I don't know. Why, you Sounds want to match? What color should I go with? I went blue last year. Lavender. 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 I'm too pale for that. Oh, never mind then. Pasty. Matthias, you're coming? I, I will be there. Awesome. I have my suit all prepared. I ordered new ha- shoes and everything. Really? Yeah. He's on it. Going for this. this guy's on it. Wait a minute. What color you got to get a new watch. <gasps> well, I got to figure out which watch. So it depends on which suit I buy, which watch yeah. I wear. You gotta get a, I think you should get a silk shark skin. <laughs> <laughs> you would be styled. I don't know which watch. I, that would be a very complicated watch pick. You wouldn't have any trouble. All right. Well, let's see what we can all right, uh, now for our favorite segment. Of course, last week the segment was Stump My Grandson. Yeah, Grandpa did it. Yeah, Grandpa stumped him. Well, at least they read the question that stumped him. But we're, ch- we're changing it back to Stump My Nephew. <laughs> Sam, you there? Yeah, how are you guys? Good, buddy. How you doing? Oh, can't complain. All right, so uh, Matthias is actually going to read your question. It's kind of an unusual 
It's not. It, I don't know. It's it it's doesn't a little deserve. Bit, a, a, there's not a right and a wrong answer. Yeah, it's really more commentary. So it's kind of a it's it's kind of a bye week. So I think uh, you'll get the if as long as you give your opinion, you'll you'll get it right here. So, but anyway, without further ado, go for it, Matthias. All right. So this question is from Rob from Santee, and the question goes. What are the mechanical differences between reciprocating and non-reciprocating bolts or charging handles? If one is better than the other, why continue to produce new firearms utilizing one over the other? Rob from Santee, thanks for writing in. Um, It might just be my imagination, but I think we've had uh, some questions in the past from Rob from Santee. So thanks for being a continued listener and a repeat question asker. Uh, if I'm wrong, then just ignore everything I just said. Um, the, uh, the difference between reciprocating and non-reciprocating charging handles. So in a semi-auto rifle or shotgun, uh, this usually refers to rifles. Um, you, of course, you need some way to charge the gun uh, with uh, a, a most, almost all designs. The bolt moves back and forth or reciprocates. So uh, the charging handle must in some way pull it back uh, so that it can then be released forward by the action spring and operate the action. Simple enough. Uh, The the question is, what's the difference between reciprocating and non-reciprocating charging handles, and is one better? Um, In some firearms, like uh, the AR platform, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with in some way. I've heard of it. um, uh, (laughs) You've heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. the charging handle does not move with the bolt. Uh, you pull it back and release it, and that charges the gun. And then every time the bolt moves back and forth during the firing cycle, the charging handle stays in place because of that little latch on it. So it doesn't hit you in the face 30 times um, or 10 times if you're in California, I guess. Uh, on, uh, for example, AK rifles, the charging handle is directly a part of the bolt carrier. So it does move back and forth with each uh, each time the firearm cycles. Whether one is better than the other or not is a matter of personal preference. Some people like the ability to manually force the gun into battery, like on an M14 or on an AK or, or something of that nature. Um, some people prefer the uh, the idea that the charging handle won't move so that uh, maybe if it's located forward and on the left side of the gun, like on an FN SCAR, uh, people like to be able to use their thumbs uh, and, and wrap around the charging handle without getting their thumbs torn off. Uh, and FN actually did release recently uh, a non-reciprocating charging handle version of uh, the SCAR. So I guess there's your answer. There's your commentary. I think you got that right. Congratulations. I agree. Yeah. Now, Matthias uh, served, when did you serve in the uh, German Army? Uh, 2003, I think I was drafted. 2003. So, Sam, what uh, what uh, what rifle was he using in 2003 in the German Army? If Matthias was a rifleman in the Bundeswehr, he would have used a G36, um, which has a, sort of an interesting charging handle arrangement. It's located in the center on the top of the bolt carrier group. And the handle part folds to the side, so it's ambidextrous. You just reach in and pull it out to whichever side you prefer, left side if you're right-handed, uh, the other way around if you're wrong-handed, and um, you can you can just use it like that. So even though it's attached to the bolt carrier, mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't really call it a reciprocating charging handle because nothing sticks out unless it's in use. 
See that? That's why I asked the question. Is, did he get it right? He did get it absolutely right. He nailed it. Out of, yeah. the, out of the ballpark. The uh, select fire switch is also ambidextrous. You have one on each side. Hmm. Nice. And you said that's, your, that's still your favorite. He, he, absolutely. He, he likes that over the AR. Sam, what do you think? Um, I have never fired an SL8, which is the civilian version we can get here. But um, it's, it's a very elegant weapon, uh, very, uh, very refined design. Um, very, uh, very little change has been made to it since its in- introduction in the 90s. I think the only thing they've changed was uh, a different stock and adding some rail systems. But um, I would love to get the chance to fire one. It's, it's really, a, in my opinion, very well designed. I think if you're going to like something better than an AR, I think a G36 is a good way to go. Because it's German. Because it's German. Well, that's not exactly. That's not what I was gonna. That's. But that's why it's so well designed because it's German. Yeah, oh, that's probably true. And he probably drives a Mercedes. <laughs> Do you drive a Mercedes? Toyota. Oh, <laughs> it's a price issue. Well, yeah, and it'll last longer. Mm-hmm. No offense. <laughs> so, Sam, uh, awesome job. Very good information. Uh, one more a, question. I think I just heard a laugh out of Sam. What? He's a hoot. He'll laugh. What uh, we were just talking is—is is there any other country that has um, a Second Amendment equivalent to the U.S.? I am not very well equipped to answer that question. Um, my anything I can give you on that topic just comes from reading news headlines here and there. Um, I don't know of any countries that have adopted constitutions which, to begin with enshrine uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms without making any any real stipulations there. Um, I have heard that the Czech Republic has adopted within the past few years yeah. some kind of verbiage as, as right. an amendment to their constitution, um, allowing people to uh, own firearms for self-defense. I believe Hungary has something vaguely similar to that, but I'm, I'm really not sure. Uh, most countries don't. In a lot of countries like the Republic of Ireland, for example, um, you have to specify a reason uh, to to own firearms. And in many countries, self-defense is not legally considered a, a valid reason. It's only hunting or competition. Dumb. Well, you were, you were saying it's kind of like that in Germany. Yeah, self-defense is not a good reason. Yeah. They don't take that. What about it makes me feel like a real man? Would they accept that? <laughs> I think that's pretty, no, not no. in Germany. No, right, <laughs> golly. <clears throat> hey, uh, that's why you can't go to Germany? Yeah. Hey, uh, what's your new blog about? My most recent blog post is on the topic of collecting military surplus firearms. Nice. Uh, some of you uh, might not find that very interesting, but I think it's interesting. So you can read it or or don't read it. That's your choice. I would prefer you read it. That's a hell of a sales um, shop. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great at selling my own work. There you here. go. Uh, so what I'm talking about in this blog post is the ethics of collecting Milserp. I talk about oh, really two things. Um, w- the, the, the kind of mindset you have to have going in of kind of being an amateur historian. It forces you to be a historian, to study up on that old gun you have and to study up on, on sort of the care and feeding, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you really have a responsibility to preserve it for future generations to enjoy. And the second thing I talk about is uh, kind of the the moral implications of owning literal weapons of war, which have very likely been fired in anger and may well have been used um, to commit some atrocities by whichever army 
uh, carried those weapons. So I, I talk about kind of my thoughts on on those two aspects of collecting. That sounds super interesting. What's a? Uh, do you have any pieces that were uh, used in war? Um, well, yeah, I actually, what gave me the idea to write it is that I've uh, spoken about a couple of surplus rifles I have in previous blog posts. Um, one of them, that, uh, that last-ditch Japanese Type 99, yeah. which was made in 1944 and, and uh, may have seen action. And the other one, uh, a German-produced uh, Mauser G98, uh, made under contract for the Ottoman Empire, which very likely saw uh, combat in the, um, maybe not in World War I, but uh, very possibly in the uh, Turkish War of Independence in the early 20s. Well, that's awesome, man. I look forward to reading it. I have not read your blog yet this week, uh, but look forward to reading it. And thank you so much for uh, answering the question and doing all you do. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, as always, as always, thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for the softball question this week. It was more of a commentary piece, and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. You bet, bud. So no, we don't do that very often. I thought we'd give you a toss, toss him up one. a softball. We did a good job. Look at how good he did, even with a, you know. And we still don't know if it was the truth. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one, buddy. Hey, can subscribe I... to our show and give us a five star. <laughs> you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify. Hey, go see our sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners. Go to the prom. Orange County Gun Owners, Inland Empire, Dillon Law Group, Sage Tree, San Diego Flight Training. Big shout out to Alicia, Michael, Sam the Gunman, Matthew Dominguez, and the wild one in the box, Brendan Thomas. Don't touch that dial. Mr. Siegel is in the house on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer.